The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. All right, awesome. Well, I get to say thank you for everybody that showed up yesterday. We had an awesome, awesome time cleaning up uh, jails to jobs over here and around the boxing and stuff. Uh, if you made it out yesterday to help out with that, and I know there's lots of reasons that sometimes people can't do that, but uh, I just want to honor you if you did, if you were able and you joined us. If you made it out yesterday and you helped us clean this place up or you helped on the inside with the foster closet, we did a little bit of stuff, we provided breakfasts and things, just stand up. And I just want to just honor you guys. Just thank you so, so much for doing that. Uh, Eddie uh, said, come on, Art. Uh, it was amazing. Art did that and then ran off and, and performed a wedding right after it. How cool is that? So uh, that's commitment right there. And it was just really cool to do that. Eddie texted me afterwards. He said, man, it is so rare. He goes, nobody ever just comes and just does stuff for us, for, you know, for me, for no reason that we haven't asked uh, to do anything, and he was just really blessed by it. Um, they're serving hard. They're taking care of a lot of youth coming out of out of jails, and uh, both male and female uh, coming out of incarceration and getting back on their feet. And so being able to go there and get things back in order for them, and and help with their yard and the trees and the fences that were broken and all that stuff, it was just awesome. We had little kids out there, uh, little tiny ones out there. Uh, if you're on the Beat Connect and Share uh, Facebook group, there's a cool video there. Um, of a little kid that was buried in a baptism tank full of leaves. Um, so we literally baptized in leaves, I guess. <laughs> but his fingers were sticking out and pulled them out. And uh, we had just all kinds of stuff going on. We even had a fence. Yeah, check this. I'm not going to name names. Uh, but we had a, a, a person that owns a fence building company fixing a fence while at the same time having an engineer who doesn't build fences uh, observing. Um, <laughs> And as we all know, that engineers cannot help but uh, observe and instruct. Even if they don't know what they're instructing, they will give you the instruction that they need to. So it was pretty, a pretty fun day altogether. Um, and can we give Murdy a hand right now? She is here despite having overcome so much with her knees and everything. And this look, she comes in. You would never know. Knee surgeries and everything comes in looking just beautiful and amazing, smiling there with art. And just, wow, just trooper. Just in here. Thank you for being here, joining us. Um, all right, let's get in the word. I'm talking about Psalms 23 today. The Lord is our shepherd. We've been talking about rest. So I'm going to pray over this, and uh, we're just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and just minister the word to us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come and that he would be our counselor and that he would lead us into truth, right? And so when we read the word, when we uh, study God's word. We believe that the Holy Spirit will actually help us to understand it and apply it in our own lives. So Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray right now that the Holy Spirit would uh, allow us to not just hear it, but understand it, apply it, and live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to Psalms uh, 23. This is out of today out of the NIV. There's different versions. You'll hear me uh, switch a couple verses uh, just because there's other translations, but uh, specifically these are out of uh, the NIV in Psalms 23. This is one of the most famous passages in the Bible, Psalms 23. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who's heard this before? Okay, this is most commonly used at funerals or when someone's dying. Okay, but did you know that this is not a psalm for the dead? It's not. This is a psalm for the living. That's who it's for. And so we use it oftentimes in those settings, or if you watch Westerns, I grew up watching Westerns, and I always hear Psalms 23 at some point break out in a Western because somebody's getting buried, somebody's dying, something's going on. But this is meant for the living. David is talking about this since the living. You know, shepherds don't shepherd dead sheep. They shepherd living sheep. You know, the Bible says, I am the God of the living, not the God of what? The dead right? This is meant for us. It's meant as a direction and a way for us to live and to understand how God wants to relate to us as his sheep. Okay, now one thing about sheep is that they're not the smartest animal. End of sermon. Go home. (laughs) Meditate on that for the next few weeks, okay? I'm not counting myself as, well, I'm the shepherd of the church, so I'm the one smart one amongst. No, I am, uh, in fact, do you know what, just representative of me, I'm going to bring this up today. Um, this is, I'm with you, okay? This is me. I'm a sheep, okay? I might be a pastor of this church, but I'm a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, okay? He's my shepherd. Andy Elliott, pastor to beat church, father. I am a sheep. I'm a follower. Before I'm ever a leader of anything, I'm just a follower. That's it. I'm just a sheep. I have to depend upon my shepherd to both lead me, to guide me, to provide for me. Everything I'm about to go through in Psalms 23, I'm up here sharing because that's my role at church. But I have to listen and obey and follow and sit just like you are right now and receive from the Lord and walk it out because he's my shepherd. I'm thankful that he's my shepherd. There's a lot worse places to be than to be a sheep following a good shepherd. You know, when you look at at cattle, livestock, anything like that, if you know anything about ranching, whether it's sheep or cows or llamas, whatever you might be, potbelly pigs, whatever you might be ranching, you can tell by looking at them, horses, if they have a good owner. Because you can tell by the condition. Are they brushed? Are they cared for? Are they sheared? Are they fed? You can just look. You don't have to see the brand before you know the quality of the owner. The brand might tell you who the owner is so something doesn't get stolen. Thank God that we're marked with the Holy Spirit and that we know that we're the Lord's. But you can tell by the condition. Wow, that person's under a good owner. My condition when I followed not the Lord, but when I followed myself and I was my own shepherd and I went my own way was a mess. I was full of addiction, I was full of anger, I was full of insecurities and fears, I had no peace. But as I've learned to follow the shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, I've become healthy, well-fed, I feel good. I still don't have any, still don't have any wool, but I can't help that. But he's changed me, not because just of my own effort, but because simply I'm following a good shepherd. And walking with God changes our life. So let's start with verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Say that to yourself. The Lord is my shepherd. That one verse right there, that one phrase right there, we haven't even finished the verse. 
There is so much power and truth right there that can completely change your entire reality. If you can understand what it really means, the Lord, the word Lord here, this is the same Lord, Yahweh, I am, that God used when he revealed himself to Moses. Moses says, who are you? And who do I tell the people you are? He says, tell them that I am has sent you. The God of the universe, the one who made everything, literally, that we can't even fully discover or know yet, that God is your shepherd. He's the one charged with taking care of you. He's the one charged with protecting you, making sure that you're healthy, that you're fed, that you're out of trouble, that your enemies don't overtake you. Not just the one that you follow because you happen to be following along like, you know, a celebrity and they don't even know, like, you know, you're following somebody and they have no idea that you even even know who they are, but your shepherd, like, he actually is responsible for you. It's a responsibility he's taken on. He actually has said, you know what, I will take that responsibility. Not just because you ask him, not just because you pray, not just because you beg, not just because you wake up in the morning and you're stressed and you say, God, don't forget me. Way before that, he already knows that he is going to take care of you when the sun rises today. When it sets and you go to sleep and you think, I'm going to sleep, do you know what? The shepherd still watches, even when you don't know he's watching. He watches for the wolves, he watches for the thieves, he watches for the other bears and the animals that come in. The shepherd is always watching the sheep. I might lose my job, I don't know what's going to happen. I didn't get to vax, or I did get to vax, or somebody got sick, or my job's laying off, or this or that, I don't know if I'll be taken care of. Do you want, the shepherd already knows when the grass is getting lean, he already knows when it's getting time to move the sheep to a different field, to a different location. He doesn't need the sheep to tell him. He's already observed the land. And while you were asleep, he's already looked around and he's thought through, where am I going later? How am I going to do this? How am I going to fix this? Somebody said something bad about you. You don't know how to defend yourself. You don't know what to do. They've come in to assault you, to take your character, to come after your life. And guess what? The shepherd already knows that there's a wolf coming in and has eyes upon you. The shepherd knows. He's already at work to provide and to take care. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Other translations, I shall not want. The word means actually to not lack. It means to not decrease. In other words, when you serve the Lord, when you follow the good shepherd, your life does not decrease. It does not shrink. It does not get smaller. Your purpose doesn't get smaller. His plan doesn't get smaller. Your provision doesn't get smaller. Nothing gets smaller. It grows. The path of the just grows brighter and brighter into the day of salvation. God God grows your life. He increases it. It becomes more fruitful. Your relationships get better. Everything in your life begins to improve and get better. Why? Because you are in the care of the good shepherd. Well, it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes it doesn't because there's seasons where God uses circumstances to help pull things away and move us and we're kind of on the move, but his plan is perfect for your life. 
And there's nothing that you lack. Well, I lack the ability to forgive in this situation. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack what? Nothing. I lack the ability to get over this hurt or this offense. I can't do it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack what? Nothing. I can't overcome this addiction. I don't have the power. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack what? Nothing. There's nothing that you lack. We talked about it in recovery group the other night. I don't have a light. I can't see. You have it. I know. I have it. Lord, I don't have it. Help me. You have it. No, I don't. Yes, it's in your pocket. Push the button. You have it. Sometimes we just haven't turned it on. We haven't activated it with faith. We're carrying around what we need, but we haven't said, okay, Lord, I believe, and then just done it. I don't have the ability to forgive. We just haven't done it. We sang this song today about coming out of the grave. Sometimes the, sometimes the stone's been rolled away and we're still sitting inside. It's just we just have to get up and walk out. But I can't, but we can. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and will quicken your mortal body, the Bible says. He can help you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. There's just nothing that, that I could ever need that he hasn't already provided. It's there. It's available. The Bible tells us that if he's given us his own son, will he not also give us all things needed to live a godly life? It's all available. It's all there. That's the type of shepherd that we have. There's nothing that is going to come up that he didn't have a plan for. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So stop there for a second. Do you know what kind of sheep lays down in green pastures? Hmm? A full one and a safe one. I have a fat little dog and he eats laying down. All of his energy goes to his jaw. He can't use his legs at the same time. We literally sometimes go and pick him up. We scoop under his belly and we raise him up. And we hold him while he eats. Let go and he pops. Pick him up. Just sits there and eats. Dude. Kai, get up. Eat. But when you're done eating, you lay down. Sheep eat standing up. They don't eat laying down. These aren't sheep that are starving and they've suddenly found this green grass and it's like, oh my gosh, I got something I can eat. No, they're well fed. They're full. They're not anxious. They're not running around. They're safe. A sheep that's anxious, a sheep that's on the run, that's on the move, that's starving, it doesn't lay down in a green pasture. What kind of sheep walks beside still water? One that's not thirsty. Because if it's thirsty, what's it doing? It's drinking. There's enough water to quench the thirst. There's enough food to fill the need. There's enough of everything to satisfy. And so it can rest. We have a world that can't rest. Everything's anxiety. Everything's stress. Everything's busyness. Everything's you got to go, 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 go. And even when I'm successful, I got to go, go, go because I could lose it. 
And if I sit down and I sit still and I, and I take any time or just everything stops, I can't handle it. My emotions go and the, the nerves vibrate and my head goes and stuff goes. And I, can't, I just can't be still. I can't lay down in green pastures and I certainly can't just sit beside still water. Something's got to be happening. Something's got to be going. But we have a shepherd that says you lack nothing and I can give you a provision and it's talking about spiritual and natural That God takes care of us. We don't have to stress and be a workaholic or overwork because God's going to take care of our needs. Don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear. Your Heavenly Father already knows that you have need of all these things. Even before you ask. He's already going to take care of your needs. Just get up and do your best. He's already watching over you. He's already taking care of you. He's already loving you. He's already covering you. He's already protecting you. And so we have this place as Christians, as believers, that is so unique that we literally live under the care of a shepherd who can bring us to such a place of fulfillment and contentment that we live our life for the joy of living our life, not for the struggle of trying to make our life. Because he's already doing it for us. He's already taking care of us. He refreshes my soul. Anybody ever need your soul refreshed? Anybody ever need, like, I don't just need a shower. Like, I need a soul, like, refreshment. Like, I need something to pick me up. I need something to go. There's a lot of things in the world that offer that. Go on vacation. Who's ever come back from a vacation more tired than you left? I have. I go on a vacation, man. I'm like, let's go on vacation. Like, what do you mean go on vacation? (laughs) I'm too tired for vacation. You get everything geared up. You take off. You're going to go do the thing. You get there, and it's usually way better than you planned. Way better. Kids get along better. Spouses get along better. Everything's cheaper. The weather's nicer. Like, everything's way more beautiful on vacation than you plan, right? Most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, you go on vacation, you get there, and you're like, this isn't quite how the brochure showed it. Boy, this serve-yourself breakfast, uh... Wow. I've gone to every hotel that we've gone to probably in the last 10 years, and I always, my dream when I get there, it doesn't matter if it's a low star or a high star or a star in between, whatever star level of hotel it is, my hope is I'm just I'm going to sit in the hot tub, and I always bring a pair of shorts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in the hot tub. I'm like, does it have a hot tub? Yes, I'm going to sit in the hot tub. I get there, walk in, I'm checking in. I say, hey, how late's a hot tub open? First question I ask, right? Like every time. How late's a hot tub open? Do you know what the answer is every time? Oh, sorry, it's closed. This whole vacation is a waste. All of it. The whole thing is shot. It's just me sitting in a hot bath with a giant straw blowing bubbles. Could have done this at home. It's just not as fun as I hoped. And it, is, it happens every time, except for once. We went, like this last year, we went one time, and we are driving there, and my wife said, did you bring shorts? I'm like, no, hot tubs are always broken. Walked in, guess what the guy says when he hands us our little key card to our room? Oh, by the way, uh, hot tubs open until 10 o'clock. Oh, great. Great. It's fantastic. We're always looking for rest somewhere. Somebody help me rest. Somebody help me have a break. 
I was going to rest last night. I watched football. I'm a Patriots fan. Didn't go well. 47 to 10, we got beat so bad. Wasn't very restful. Something's always going on. Something always is happening to disturb rest, to agitate. And so we have to find our rest somewhere else. We have to find our rest in God. We have to find our rest in something that's bigger than our circumstances. Remember in 2020, we had the big, you know, at the end of the year celebration, 2020's over. Woo, 2021, turn the page. And guess what? The next chapter was the same story. Right? We're in the same thing. Life has challenges. In this life, you'll have many troubles. Right? But take heart, I'm with you. God's promise is just to be with us, to walk with us. But he wants to refresh our soul, not by our circumstances, but by relationship with him. Well, how do you do that? How do you have relationship with anybody? Time. That's relationship. Go spend time with him. Spend time. Boy, you've said that a lot this last month. Yeah, time. I don't have time. I don't have... Time. If you want a deeper relationship with God, if you want to experience more of his peace, there isn't a shortcut. There isn't a better way. I don't care who you listen to online. I don't care what YouTube you watch. I don't care what book you read. I don't care what quote you heard. There isn't a replacement for just time. You just go spend time with God. You shut everything else down. You put everything else aside. Jesus did it. And you just go sit. You go listen. You go walk. You just say, Lord, I'm here. Talk to me. You open the Bible and read it. And you ask him, Lord, how does this apply to my life? What do you want me to do? And as you do that, he begins to refresh your soul. You know, my wife talked to a lady. It changed her Bible reading. She said, well, how long do you read? Like, what's the right amount? This was years ago. What's the right amount? Like, how do I do this? And she's like, well, I just read till I'm full. She goes, what do you mean you read till you're full? Well, I just read until I get something. Sometimes it's a verse. Boom, God fills me, and I'm just like, wow. Sometimes it's a chapter. Sometimes it's a couple chapters. But I just sit down and I say, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you until I feel I've connected to you. And you wait upon the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord, what? He will renew their strength. You ever feel tired or weak? Need energy? Need strength? Guess what? The Bible gives us a clear path. Just go wait upon the Lord. He'll renew your strength. He'll build you up. If you're willing to do that, it's like charging a phone, right? It's like, man, my phone's on the go. Kids are the wor- teens are the worst at this. We can be at home all day, eight hours. Get ready to leave, jump in the car, and everybody's like, can I get the charger? Can you get the charger? We're just, we were just home all day. You need to charge your phone? Yeah, I only have 2%. Why wasn't it plugged in the whole time you were home? I was busy using it. Okay, well, sometimes we're like that. It's like, man, I just need a charge. Man, I just need a charge. I just need a charge. Okay, but in order to get a charge sometimes, that's why I tell my kids, stop using the phone. If you just set it down, step away, it won't move. And if you leave it plugged in while you step away, guess what will happen? It'll charge. Well, it'll also charge when it's on being used and plugged in, but it's a race. It's a race between it going out and filling up. Anybody ever had that? I'm just trying to finish this. It happens with my computer. I'm just trying to finish this blog. Or I'm just trying to finish this email. I'm just trying to finish this thing. And I can see the thing. It's blinking at me, and it's going to go out. 
and my charger's in the bag, and the plug is 10 feet away, and I'm sitting there, and I'm in a zone, and I'm looking at the thing, and I'm typing, and I'm looking, and I'm typing, and I'm thinking, come on, Lord, give me just a second, and all of a sudden the screen just goes, whoop, it's out. Or I just get it plugged in, and I'm still trying to finish, but I want to finish now, and it, it's trying to charge it, but it's also trying to die, and I'm just like, mm, I'm just, sometimes we just, oh, well, I can charge on the go. I can charge on the go, man. I can pray. I can talk to God. I can do something. I can charge on the go. I don't need to stop. And we play this game where our, our soul, our spirit's trying to refresh and trying to recharge, but at the same time, life is draining it out, and we're just back and forth, and it's like, oh. If we would just stop and just say, you know, I'm just taking this time. I'm going to set everything in my life down, all my agendas, all my important activities, all the things. I'm setting it down, Lord. I'm just going to come, and I'm just going to sit, pray, listen to you. Worship, read my Bible, taking the next 15, 20 minutes, and that's all I'm going to do. See what happens. You'll find that the charge is so much faster, so much quicker. But we're so unwilling to, to sit that even our chargers now have to be wireless because it's too much work and too much constriction to plug in a charge. I just want to set it down. That way, if I need to grab it again, I can pick it up real quick. But if it's plugged in and I set it down, I pick it up and the wire gets in the way and I got to, well, I just, we got to have totally wireless charging. I set it down and charge, pick it right, boom, I'm ready. But we live that way. God wants us to actually take time to stop and to plug into who he is, plug into his word, to receive from it. To actually just, okay, Lord, here we go. I started shooting. We live in Texas. You have to do that in order to stay. <laughs> it's crazy here. I was putting all of our um, self-defense mechanism machines away yesterday after cleaning them. I won't use other words in church, but they're just these things that you use for self-defense at shooting ranges, guns. And so I was... I got this bag. It feels weird just to say I got a bag for guns. That sounds like I should be arrested, but I did. It holds a shotgun and stuff. So I get this gun, and I'm like, what am I doing? Now, I got shot when I was 16, through the stomach and out the back on a hunting accident. I couldn't even go around a screen door that was slamming for like 10 years because it sounded like a gun. Car backfired, and you'd find me on the ground just hiding behind a bush. Like, I was any noise. Now, I got a gun. You can't ever have a gun. You can't have a tattoo. You can't have a gun. A wife can't have a opinion. She's going to have, I mean, oh. Take that off of the audio, please. But here's the point. I'm sitting there packing up all these guns. Well, guess what? If you want to own a gun and you want to shoot a gun, guess what else you have to do with a gun? Clean a gun. You can't just keep going and shooting it. I tried. I'm like, well, how often do you really need to clean the gun? I mean, a hot bullet's flying through there. That's pretty much clearing everything out, right? Boom, look in there. There's nothing in there. Well, a few times going out, I'm at the range, and I'm shooting with other people, and it's all really nice and fun, and all of a sudden, boom, my gun stops working. What's wrong with your gun? I don't know. It must be a bad gun. When's the last time you cleaned it? That's kind of personal. <laughs> we have to talk about that right now. So last night, I'm cleaning my guns. 
Well, do you know what? Sometimes in life that happens to us. It's like your faith just gets stuck. Your faith just dry fires. It won't go anywhere. It won't do anything. You're like, oh, I'm trying to overcome this, and I'm stuck. Why? Because you're not taking time to stop and slow down and clean it out. Get in the word. Let the fresh word of God clean your heart, clean your mind, clean your faith. Repent to God for your sins. I'm not a sinner. We are all sinners. Even as believers, we have things that we do. And we have to continue to go to God in repentance and go to God in his word and be cleaned out and restored in our faith and renewed so that he, we can be, continue to operate right, continue to have victory, continue to win the fight of faith. Again, that takes time, but there you are, cleaning and preparing and having yourself ready. But he refreshes our soul. He guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. He has something at stake in this. It's not just your life. It's his reputation. It's his name. He's a shepherd. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to do well. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Other translations say the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through this terrible place where it seems like life is going to end, where I can't get a victory, where there is no win, just being down here is trouble. There's no way through. There's no way to, I can't survive this. That could be the loss of a loved one. That could be a, a difficulty in your relationship. That could be a financial hardship. That could be your own personal demons that you struggle with. Like, I don't know how, to, I can never get past this. I'll never be able to win. I'll never be able to make it. Could be your past, maybe abuse or how you were raised or that you were abandoned or something went on. Maybe it's something that someone did to you. Maybe it's something I did to you. Maybe I've offended you. I don't know. I offend people. It happens. I offend myself sometimes. And sometimes I don't forgive myself for a while until I talk myself into it. And then I do. But we go through these dark valleys, these difficult places where it seems like no deliverance. But he's with us. He's there. So even in that place, we don't have to be afraid or nervous or scared or anxious because he's right there. He's with me. It's funny when you don't have your protector with you, your mind plays all kinds of tricks. When I was a kid, I was a lot of fear of the dark. Anybody still have that? Anybody still afraid of the dark? Got a couple, we got one. Anybody else? When I was a kid, I was still, I was so afraid of the dark, but mostly I was afraid of being alone. Seven kids in my family, we always had cousins living with us, everybody there. We lived in a little tiny house, and oh my gosh, if I was by myself, man, I got so nervous, because I was just never alone. So then I got my first apartment, and I remember locking the door, shutting the door, and setting up pop cans on the door handles. I'm an adult, my first apartment, I'm a man. And I was setting up like soda cans and stuff, like little booby traps. So if somebody came through the front door and turned the handle, the can would fall off and then it would hit something and make a big loud noise and it would wake me up. So I'm like, if I'm awake, I could probably defend myself. But what if somebody comes in and I'm asleep? Then what? There's no one else here to even hear it. I have to do something. So I tried the pop can thing to protect myself and then I decided I better just get married. So I got married at 18. That way someone could listen for the door. <laughs> I mean, it's in our vows. I'll listen for the door. But I had to have somebody 
close. But when I'm alone, like things just seem like magnified, like the risk, the danger, because there's no one else here. There's no one else to help me. Well, this is what this word says. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. I'm not alone. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. You have him there by your side. You know, you can be with people and still feel totally alone. Sometimes that's the loneliest place to be. Especially if your insides don't match your outsides. If you got one thing happening on the outside that you're showing people and something different on the inside, you can feel very alone. Man, I'm putting on the face, I'm putting on the smile, but inside, man, I'm broken, I'm scared, I'm depressed, I'm whatever, and I can't tell anybody, and I'm just alone. But God says you don't have to be alone. Not only can he see your outside, but he sees your inside. You're not even alone there. In your deepest, darkest place, the valley of your mind, of your emotions, the things that you may not even tell a counselor or a therapist, God knows. And he's there. He's there. He's with you, comforting you, loving you, counseling you, being with you all the time. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd uses his rod and his staff to defend against enemies, but also to grab the sheep, pull them to safety, push them forward, and whack them once in a while. Anybody ever been whacked? been whacked it's a little but always in love it's always to get the sheep where they're supposed to be so they're safe and fed and taken care of you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies not just delivers and drives away enemies but literally prepares a table to eat with the enemies around that's peace that's peace. I can sit down and just eat with my enemies right here. Not only that, but what did Jesus tell us? To do what with our enemies? Love our enemies. You watch politics at all, you can see that countries that are completely against each other, totally against each other, can sit down and have a meal together because there's enough safety around that meeting Right? That they'll even sit down and eat together. Heads of states that are completely at war with each other will sit down and have food together because there's safety around. The implication here is that God puts such a safety around us that we can literally even sit and eat and in love of our enemies because we have no fear that they can actually hurt or harm us. We could even say, I love you. You're here. Why don't you eat? Why don't you have a bite? Well, I was here to devour you. You can't do that because the shepherd's here. But if you want a plate, I have extra food. Other than that, you have to leave. Because there's no fear of being destroyed or taken apart by an enemy in our life. Because we have a shepherd that's watching over us. You anoint my head with oil. It's not just about anointing, like spiritual anointing. It's a practical application with sheep. You put oil on them and on their wool because it keeps all the bugs off. 
It keeps the bugs from getting down into their, into their wool and into bothering them and flying around and buzzing on them and doing stuff. They put this oil on, and it protects from that, which keeps them from being constantly agitated and nipping at themselves and running around and potentially hurting themselves. It's a protection. And so God puts this protection from annoyance and from all these agitations and stresses and strivings of life because he wants us to be cared for. And at peace, my cup overflows. This whole passage is a beautiful picture of a life at rest and at peace and well taken care of. Do you experience that as a believer? Are you experiencing that right now? Because if you are not, then you are not living the life that the shepherd has for you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's Jesus' word. The enemy will come to steal all of these things out of your life and keep you busy and agitated and frustrated. And whatever he is using to do that, whatever hook he has to pull you that way, whether it's an offense, a bitterness, a hurt, a wound, an insecurity, a fear, self-reliance, a sin that you haven't let go of, whatever hook that he's going to use to try to pull you out of the flock and separate you from the, the plan and the path of the shepherd to steal and kill and destroy your life and take these things from you. The plan of God is for you to actually live an abundant life of peace and fullness and rest, even as you travel through difficult places that life might bring your way, difficult paths or valleys. Surely goodness and love, some translations say mercy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. See a picture up here of these dogs chasing these sheep around. What does a sheep dog do? What do they do? What's the point of hurting? What are they trying to do? Keep them together, right? Trying to keep them together and keep them, keep them where they're supposed to be, Right? The picture here is that God actually uses, because this whole thing is in context of sheep herding, is that God actually uses mercy and goodness, his goodness and his love. He actually uses those things to actually chase us and push us and keep us moving into where we're supposed to be. Not just anger, not just, oh, I'm coming down with my anger, I'm going to force you back into the right way. God does get angry at times. The Bible talks about it. We're supposed to have a respectful fear of the Lord. But he uses his goodness and his mercy to literally chase us down and keep pushing us back to the center. It was that same mercy and goodness that chased me down as a drunk, pulled me into the back of a car, drove me to a pastor's house. He said, I'm going to chase you down with my goodness and my love. I'm going to shove you in this car. I'm going to get you in front of somebody that can try to help you. You have friends that call you when you're struggling, you're not doing well, and they say, hey, you ought to make it to recovery, or hey, I ought to make it, I don't want to right now, I'm not doing it. That's the goodness and mercy of God chasing you into your isolation and saying, okay, come on out. I'm gonna push you into this direction. I want you to get connected. I want you back into the flock. I want you to be where you can be loved on, encouraged, and built up. And he uses these he uses these methods and people in our lives to, to push us back towards that. Because his plans and his heart for us is to be in a community together, loving one another and resting in his love as we do our life. 
That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. And the final verse is, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody wants to go to heaven someday. What's the point of going to heaven? We need to go be with the Lord. Who's with us right now? The Lord. Heaven's already started. It's already started. Someday we get to walk out of here and just move into the next room, but we're already in the beginnings. Eternity's already happening. It doesn't start later. We're already in eternity. It's time now moving forward. It just doesn't end. We move on with Christ. But we're already in relationship with the one that we're going to be in relationship with. We're already able to experience it, to walk in it, to have his peace, to have his joy. If we are willing to lean into him and trust him instead of always looking somewhere else to find it. Always looking to entertainment or to addiction or to some type of substance or to some other relationship or to some other thing to try to find that fulfillment and connection. If we turn to God for it, he will fill us and the abundance of life will flow out of that and we'll have everything else with him. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? Everything else will be added. That's where God wants us to live. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray right now, God, for everyone that's here. Lord, we want to live a life, Lord, that is under your care. Father, if there's anybody here, Lord, that's struggled with any issues, Lord, where they have not found rest, peace, or they have not found fullness, Lord, and they have it to uh, just scrounge around trying to find something, Lord, to settle their spirit or settle their mind. Lord, we pray right now, God, for your peace to come upon them. Lord, for them to understand you as a shepherd. Lord, help us to set time aside to really be with you, to listen to you, Lord, to, to charge up, to renew our soul. Lord, not just to live for you, but God, to live with you. Lord, acknowledge that in our life and in our time and in how we live and what we do. Lord, that we could then visibly be different. Visibly, functionally, and practically be different. That people would look at us and say, man, you must have a good shepherd. My shepherd, the world, is driving me mad. My shepherd isn't feeding me. My shepherd is running me all over, frantic. My, my shepherd's allowing all the, all the bugs to eat at me. All, my shepherd's allowing the wolves to come in. My, my shepherd's allowing all kinds of chaos in my mind and in my heart and in my life. But you have a good shepherd. I can see your peace amongst the political unrest. I can see your peace amongst the sickness and the debates and the arguments about all the things of the world. I can see your, your peace even in financial struggle. I can see your peace in relational things. I can see your peace. Lord, that people would want to know who you are and we could lead more people into relationship with you. Lord, let our lives be the great advertisement of the goodness of our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.